That is rat hole to rat hole. Rat hole to rat hole. Because Christian had tweeted some stuff on us, I went back and listened to the Fromwick episode. And even back then, even as early as in, you'll hear Jamie in the background as Eldrin going, this shit's weird, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. These limp D20s aren't going to do it, fucking Sally. What? Are you sure? She's definitely killed another family. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Guys, this goddamn tween is is a fighter. I'm going to be a little late to the recording session. One got loose, you know, trying out new stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That that blur in the background is not a filter. It's just the sheet of plastic that I use to collect the blood. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to Not. The off-week content for the Gimme Delude podcast. The TTRPG podcast that sometimes shuffles its schedule around in your favor. My name's Turner. I'll be your dungeon master and suddenly have to attend a trade show for work. So guess what? Because we are 100% committed to being back on a four-week schedule and I will be out of town this week, preventing me from actually doing any editing. Went into hyper crunch mode over the long weekend to get this part two of a campaign episode ready for you right now. But I am going to cheat and just front load the announcements so I don't have to do a post or mid just for time constraints. So buckle in. This may be a few lines more than normal at the top. First of all, if you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. New or old, look, we really do appreciate you making time for us in your busy podcast listening schedule. There's a lot of other actual plays out there. And you show up here for us every weekish or so, and uh, we appreciate it. And of course, to our patrons, a special thank you. Your support helps us bring you bigger and better content. And as always, Gimme the Loot is not a family-friendly show due to a mix of profanity, crude humor, gore, and embroidered fuckery. Sweet, sweet embroidered fuckery. Cool. A couple other things to hit on. We stream Mondays, typically not this week because of the holiday, at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on Twitch. Check it out in the show notes below. Get over there. If you want to support the show, check out the Patreon. Guess what? Link in the show notes below. And most importantly, if you want to hang out with some really cool people, I don't mean us. I mean the community which has sprung up around the show, which is just such an amazing group, both patrons and committed listeners. I guarantee you, you will enjoy spending some time with them. Link to the Discord in the show notes below. Last thing, and probably most important one, we are encouraging everyone this season to head over to BradyUnited.org to see what they can do to help combat the epidemic of gun violence in the U.S. And I do want to signpost, there's going to be an event this episode that may seem a little weird in context of that message. And without spoiling it, I assure you the long-term effects jibe with the satirical nature of the show and the fact that sensible gun laws aren't about taking away freedoms. They're about common sense and safety in our community. With a little extra effort, we can make the places we live in safer for everybody. Doesn't take much to be a better hero than one of the party of five. Here's our chance. Cool. Next week will be a regular off-week content, either an interview or DM-splaining, depending upon what we have in the tank at that point. And without further ado, back to Tori as Mori the Ooze, Harland as Todd the Tiefling, Jamie as Eldrin Thaneros, 
Jazz as Fate of Normir, and Anthony as Babatunde. Hope you enjoy the show. So, Ham Jam leads you back into the tool rack area. Her workshop space is really like a big garage, like a big four-car mechanics garage that is just an empty shell from one end to the next, but the right-hand side is where she's got her tools arrayed in different racks and floating, suspending wire toolboxes that uh, keep everything floating around inside where she can see them and pop something out at a moment's notice. Okay, um, you know what? We're just going to do this. Um, we'll just, uh, we'll start with you. And she points at you, Bob, and, and kind of go, and kind of go, uh, backwards from there just for, just for giggles. Did you wrap them? Mm, hold, hold on just one sec. Champagne? Did you, um, did you wrap the gifts like I told you? Um, you, you, you want me, you want me to go wrap them? Go wrap them now? No, they're not wrapped. Sorry. It's fine. He'll pay for that later. Don't worry. <laughs> I mentioned the writing crop. <laughs> <laughs> Blink twice if you are. Oh, uh, no, look, um, no, it's a living. No, it's a uh, look, man. It's, it's my thing. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Brutabaga. That's my safe word. There you go. You've heard it. Oh, they're into it. Okay. I got it. So it's Baba, right? Baba, Baba Tunde? Yes, it is me. You got a little bit of a different uh, look than when I first saw you with the armor, but that armor could use a little juicing up, huh? Hang on. Come here for a second. She grabs a stepping stool and steps onto it and, and grabs you roughly by the breastplate, Ooh. loops her fingers into the breastplate, and positions you in, in front of her, and holds out one hand, and you see Champagne pull something out of the box that's got, looks a little bit like a crest at first. You can't quite make the shape out of it because the angle of how close up she is. She holds out her other hand to Champagne, and he hands Champagne. what looks like a power drill almost to it, mm -hmm. like one of those air drivers that mechanics use to pop your wheels off really easy, and she clanks this symbol onto the onto the front of your brushplate, and you hear a voot, 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 voot. and she draws her hand back. She goes, there you go. That's a, uh, that's a force generator emblem, and uh, hold on, Champagne, go get the mirror. Yeah, hold, hold on. He puts the box down and comes back, and he holds up a full-length mirror to you. And on your chest, there's this stylized outline of a, not like a skull, but more of like the shape of a feline face, mm -hmm. um, but more stylized and elongated, drawn in a way that it makes it look like it's a crest on your chest. It's this raised bluish green metal that you're not super familiar with. It's not quite like the Asamantium Yicula because that has so much of it alloyed into it, but this might be one of the component metals that go into the Asamantium Yicula. And this is effectively a guardian emblem that Baba now has drilled into his armor. This emblem is the spirit of a deity or a spiritual tradition. In this particular case, it is basically a totemic representation of a, your Tabashi tribe. You can attach the emblem to a suit of armor or shield. This one's not removable like the other ones are. It's got three charges a day. When you or a creature that you see within 30 feet suffers a critical hit while you're wearing the armor or wielding a shield that bears the emblem, you can use your reaction to expend one charge to turn the critical hit into a normal hit instead. Oh, yeah. The emblem regains all its expended charges daily at dawn. That seems very nice. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Something tells me you could have used this, but sorry, it's a little bit late. <laughs> but, um, you know. It, it, it might have been helpful in the past. Yeah, I know. It will be helpful in the future. Sometimes just things work out. Let's see. Um, yeah, uh, Fader Tater. Okay. That, that's, you know, I've wondered what your last name was because I don't think we've ever actually said it on the show, but Tater <laughs> is, um. That, I, I, I can assure you that that is not my last name. Um, it says it on your shirt and clearly your pants. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the, some of the basic bylaws of Normir, 
Um, like, for example, if you flip a table, you own the property. If you sew your name onto a piece of clothing, that is now legally your name. I did not sew this into anything. This was thrust upon me. I refuse. And I would rather proceed around this town stark naked than have you all call me Fater Tater as though it were my name. <laughs> well, well, Tate, um, I'll tell you, you can take that up with the courts. But I do have this for you. And she pulls out this robe. Oh, it's Nemesis. A robe. Robe. Okay. Oh, robe. I thought he said rope. I also thought he said rope. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Trust me, there will be ropes this arc, but not now. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it is it got a little bit of a military cut to it. So it is a overcoat that buttons very tightly up to the top, almost like a trench coat, but then has a big flare down up to the bottom into a broader robe-like shape. You've seen military wizards. It's very much like a military wizard uniform where the top is buttoned up for parade dress, but it still has some of the the looser flowy movement that mages need to promptly run away when, when the case comes up. Yeah. The, the anime, the anime antagonist uh, trench coat. Yeah. Very much. So. Yeah. But it is, it's a silvery, almost reflective color to it. Okay. And occasionally you will see an image ripple across it. I saw what happened on the uh, on the field out there. I saw your maneuver. It was impressive. I've been wondering what to do with this thing, because this thing can record and reproduce images. It's the robe of scintillating imagery. The robe has three charges, and uh, gets 1d3 of those charges back daily at dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the formula that artificers use when we for an indeterminate return of magical energy. And uh, while you wear it, you can use your action and expend one charge to cause the garment to display a shifting, dazzling pattern of your glowing junk um, until the end of your turn. <laughs> <laughs> During this time, it sheds bright projections, like 3D holograms of your junk in a 30-foot radius, um, and a dim, like ghostly images of your junk for an additional 30 feet. Creatures that can see you have disadvantage on attack rolls against you, for the obvious reason. Mm. Okay. (laughs) And in addition, any creature that's in that close bright light, when you activate the junk projection, um, is uh, has to make a save or could become stunned until you turn it off. It's the robe of scintillating imagery. Okay. <laughs> so. Does that affect us? Uh, I've had enough of that burned in my brain. Uh, it does not distinguish foes. Oh, great. Uh, so this is basically a robe of scintillating colors, but with fate's, with fate's junk. He can't use his uh, his special wizardness to weave it around it so my eyes doesn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it only gets in your eyes if you're right next to him when he turns it on. And then it really only affects you if you're trying to touch. So just don't look directly at him when he's doing it. It's not like, like, uh, like a different, a distinct character, like bat signal, right? Like where it's just in the sky. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, like it projects kind of out. I mean, put him on the top of a building on a cloudy night and point him at the sky, and yeah, you could probably. And maybe he could get. Oh man, I'm I'm to, I'm to understand that basically I am a I have the ability to become a a a, a disco ball reflecting my own. Genitalia around the room? <laughs> Disco yeah, cock and balls, yeah, yeah. yeah. Turning any room into a yeah. proverbial sausage party, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the tots. <laughs> you got the tater and the tots on this thing, the whole thing. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Let's see. So you there with the bow. Look, Eldrin, um, uh, I don't know if you've checked out socials lately, but you need to probably lay low for a while. 
you know, I could see, I could see because, well, I, you know, I was actually looking at you like you weren't a monster that you really had a moment with that horse before you killed it. So, and she produces a small black figurine of uh, a horse. It is incredibly, incredibly dark. It almost seems to absorb the light. It is a tiny little figurine of a horse. I, uh, I actually used this to pull in the elemental essence of the night, and I shaped it into this hor- horse form. It uh, basically can become a, um, well, a nightmare. It can turn into a nightmare for up to 24 hours. Now, it's only going to defend itself, but, um, you know, it can turn into an evil devil horse. It's pretty fucking rad. I'm not going to lie to you. So I gave it a pretty rad name. I call it the Knight. So he- here you go, buddy. You can. Yeah, I- I'm giving you another horse. Maybe if people see you riding this bitching motherfucker around, it is good. It is pure evil. But you know, you should be okay. Is it gonna bite? Like, is it is it is it mean horse? I assume I assume not easily tamed. I'm sorry. I thought you understood what evil was. Hold on. I'm gonna go get my chalkboard because I'm gonna have to draw a diagram for this one. I guess. I'm just like if is so it's gonna immediately attack everything. No, 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 no! It'll only defend himself. Like it'll it it will obey you. Oh, okay, okay. I, you know he might be a little bit of an asshole. That's fine. I'm used to that. What does it eat? Not poison apples. <laughs> it eats starlight and the hopeful prayers of children at night. Oh, one of those things is beautiful and wistful. The other one horrifying. <laughs> cool Uh, but you know what the coolest thing it can do is it has an ethereal stride it can take uh, up to three willing creatures within five feet of it into the ethereal plane and back oh you guys get to come to the party place cool all right (laughs) that's that's one of the main reasons why i did it also an excuse to say that you've got the knight and when you use it you're the knight rider (laughs) Uh, let's see who do i have left here oh todd Oh, uh, you, you really think this is a good idea? You know what happened. Look, I know. And you see her reach into the box and pull out a smaller box and turn to you, Todd, and move her fingers across the pattern. And, and you can tell it's a combination lock. And she's unlocking this small little safe. She goes, I guess this was inevitable at some point. And I tried to find a lot of reasons not to do it. But this has just been sitting on a shelf. And it's such a magnificent piece of engineering that um, it would be a waste if I didn't... Uh, if it didn't get, you know, taken out and put through its paces. So, um, Todd, I present you the 4-4. No. And she opens up the box, and there is a gleaming ebony revolver. Ooh. 44 Magnum pistol inside. <laughs> this feels like giving a kid a goldfish at the carnival. Like, you should run this by everyone else. <laughs> Champagne is nodding his head very vigorously. Like, I don't enjoy this. I think this is a bad idea. (laughs) You'll shoot your eye out, man. The 4-4, it is a large, long-barreled, six-shot revolver. I will drop the stats under your character sheet, but it is this ebon black metal that has these veins of red running through it. Long sight bar up at the top has runes etched across the top of it. The pistol grip of the handle appears to be fashioned from the tooth of some serpentine beast that has been molded into the perfect pistol grip, but has been allowed still to curve down to a sharp point that just just looks dangerous. It doesn't have dagger stats, but it, man, you could stab with it if you really wanted to. Inside the case, there are 36 bullets. 
Those are all you will have until you find another artificer to make you some more. Mm-hmm. It does 1d10 damage. It is a vicious firearm, which means when you roll a 20 on your attack with this magic weapon, the target takes an additional 7 damage. Oh, man. Reload 6. Advantage in all attacks after you've kicked in a door. <laughs> For the first round after kicking a door. So that is the the fofo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can be can be dual wielded with Echo. Oh, normally I would be jealous, but that's just fucking cool, Todd. <laughs> Kick in the dough, wave in the fofo. Wave in the fofo. That's <laughs> uh, so cool. Uh, and finally, uh, last but certainly not least, um, you uh, have the potential to be the glue that binds this group together. You've got uh, something there. I saw you inspire them more than a few times. I, and I noticed the little drum you got floating around in there. So I kind of went, I kind of went on those lines and she pulls out another little box, but this one's not, I mean, this is not a, another case. It is a, a steel metal box with a grill on the front of it and a little crank on the side. It's a, the beat box. She basically gave you a little portable beat machine that acts as a rhythm maker's drum. While holding this drum, you gain a bonus to spell attack rolls and the saving throw DCs of your bard spells. This bonus is determined by the drum's rarity, so this is a rare one. This will give you plus two on your spell attack rolls and your saving throw DCs on your bard spells, which will put you to an 18. And I fucking really, really, really waffled over that, but it is what it is. As an action, you can use the beatbox to regain one use of your bardic inspiration feature this property of the drum can't be used again, or the beatbox, until the next on. But you do have to beatbox when you activate that piece of it. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Tori, where every gift comes with a price. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will say that when you said there was a silver grill on the front, I was imagining teeth. <laughs> and then imagining a crank of chattering teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that's horrific that, that is that is horrific but hold on let me make a note real quick <laughs> i can mori tab <laughs> let's see mori notes shit tori says that will come back to haunt her okay um this was supposed to be done outside your vehicles where you guys could get on the road so, um, this is kind of awkward, but get the fuck out. Thank you. See y'all later. Thanks. You, you killed a lot of people. I mean, thank you for your work. You are a fantastic driver. Yay, we won. <laughs> but that was the most, um, most number of fatalities we've ever had in an evaluative derby. <clears throat> Champagne still wakes up at night crying about it. I know it's only been 24 hours, so that doesn't seem like a long time, but it feels like it's going to be a while before he's back to normal. Rutabaga. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anything else for uh, for uh, Ham Jam before you guys head out to the Winnemajo? Mm, nope. This was nope. this was Todd's stop. Thank you, Todd. If you're satisfied, um, we can head on. Oh, oh I'm, I'm satisfied. Not even a safety on that thing. Good lord, we we're fucked. No, no. <laughs> Todd, what is the Todd gun carry situation? Oh, it's definitely down down his pants in the front. Oh, oh, of course it is. Not not even in the back. Not even in the back. He's gonna shoot. 
He's junk off. <laughs> I don't have a holster just yet. Someone hand you a gun. Where do you put it? In your pocket? You have a pocket. Well, who puts a gun in their pocket? A person with a weapon pocket. Yes. Don't you have a magical pocket? I do have a magical pocket. He's a magic <laughs> pocket for weapons. Yes. <laughs> I do have a weapon pocket, but it seems like I, 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 it takes too long to get to the weapon pocket. So you'd rather just shoot your dick off by accident sometime. Okay, it's fine. Listen, <laughs> listen. Listen. Go for it. Listen. No one puts their gun in their pocket. I, until I get a holster, I will holster it where it belongs. That vicious bullet is going <laughs> to... <laughs> listen. Listen, Todd. I will lay hands on a lot of things. But if you shoot your dick off... <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, may- maybe, maybe it goes down the back. Maybe it's a... It's a, it's a you got a tail back there, though. I mean, yeah, you'll shoot your eye out. Means something completely different now. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a holster just yet. If I put it in the, if I put it in the magic pocket, mm-hmm. do is there an action to pull it out of said magic pocket, or is it always always stowed? Just like drawing a sword. Yeah, it's just like a free action. Oh, okay. Yeah. Similar to drawing a sword, it would be a free action. Okay, then it goes in the in the magic pocket. It's like he's never heard the legend of that giant that had a weapon that shot at himself in the leg by putting his gun in his pants. Shrek? The legend of Cheddar Bob? I seen him on the internet the other day. The legend of uh, P- Plax? Yeah, Plax, the giant. Yeah. Mm. The Plax, the giant. Yeah, I remember. Mm. Uh, so, all right. So, you guys head out to the Winnemajo, load up. Who's driving? Who's taking the first shift on the road? I'll drive. Shotgun. He knew he was driving. Todd's never driving this thing ever again. I should. I drove it perfectly. Nope. Nope. You did not. Did we get to... You set that shit on fire. (laughs) You know, did we get to where we needed to get? After sticking it in the middle of an alley that you scraped through, never again. No. (laughs) We got there and fast. (laughs) Like record time. Way faster than you could have got that. With fire. Oh, fire just happens. It's a hazard to driving. It's not all of us are fire resistant, sir. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> knows fire. that when you get behind the wheel, it's fire. It can happen. Of course the tiefling says that. <laughs> fire just happens. Fire just happens. <laughs> just imagine Smokey the Bear. Fires just happen. <laughs> What what do you want me to do? It's a little fucking fucking wizards and shit. You think I can fucking stop fire? Smokey's kind of a drunk in this world. (laughs) 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 Fucking people go kapow, fucking flames everywhere. It's a bear. (laughs) It might have been Smokey Slay, his uh, his his term. Fires. They just happen. So you guys load up in the Winnemajo and head off on the road. Navigation question number one, as the compass points you unerringly to the northeast, um, you have two options here. You can drive through some of the older tracks and trails that avoid the winding ways, or you can take the shortest distance between two points and hop onto the winding way circuit outside of Taliesin, because remember, they don't come close enough to Taliesin to run directly to it. Strangely enough, they only come up to a certain distance and then then run the other way. You could drive over, get on the uh, the loop, basically, of the winding way, and head northeast. I am not particularly a fan of driving on the main roads. What is everyone else? Uh, do you guys want to just book it there, or do you, gotta, do you want to take the scenic route? Um. So I, I know we haven't really had a chance to discuss this, everyone, but um, I have a very pressing matter that I need to get to. Um, so if we can take the main roads and get to um, 
my home area as quickly as possible. It would be of, uh, I would really appreciate it. Is that where the thing's pointing? Is it, is that where we're going? Is that? Yes, yes, yes. But the, 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 the main roads is what I'm asking you to take. Just let's get there as fast as possible. All right. To be fair, every time we have taken the um, scenic route, we have encountered significant delays. That is correct. That is true. That is fair. That is correct. All right. Main road it is. You guys hop on a winding way and start puttering back towards Newark, the region in the northeast of Normier, most known for the being the home of the three largest formal magical institutions on the continent. There are smaller centers for arcane study, but they either tend to be culturally tied or tied to a very, very, very specific speciality. For example, the Tabashi and Sama have an incredibly advanced arcane arcane tradition in the mountain tribe that lives at the top of the sacred mountain. They have a city built up there and uh, spend quite a bit of time studying the astral patterns and basking in the etheric winds that they are able to harvest from the cosmos at that elevation. There are other pockets that are, again, a little bit more regionally in the Smoky Mountains, deeper to the east, heading more towards Amsoon. There are the the halfling liquormancers that uh, spend quite a bit of time brewing different potent potables that pr- provide not only a fantastic buzz, but a, a magical benefits to boot. And you guys head off along your way on the winding way. First day goes by, absolutely no disruption whatsoever, but it's getting towards the end of the day. The sun is starting to set. You've moved out of the kind of smaller surrounding areas. Uh, you know, it's interesting about uh, Taliesin, it's kind of northern central Normier, and nobody has really settled around it. You know, I mean, it's right at the border of Dak and Amsoon. So you have to cut up a little bit to make your way towards the country of Newark. But because of Taliesin's reputation as being a, kind of a hotbed for trouble, seeking out the adventurers that live there, it's a little bit of a buffer zone where there's no other major cities around it. So it's kind of good that you took the winding ways because as you get to the end of that first day, the tummies start rumbling or whatever it is that Mori has starts bubbling. <laughs> and you realize that there are no supplies left in the Winamajo. It's been quite some time since you guys have restocked up. Oh, shit. Whoops. So you find yourself pulling into a save point towards the end of that first day. You have been here before. There is the Duckies Bar and Grill, a Duckies Roadside Inn the Durger King, the Duckies General Store. There is a, a little roadside historical monument off to the side. Nothing as grandiose as the, the Paladin Temple that was there. Um, there's a statue of a orcish man and his gnomish partner kind of wearing these funny caps standing next to each other, pointing westward uh, as if they were uh, on an expedition together. Uh, you know, it's not the most exciting route that you're on, so it's fairly dead at this point. There are three or four long-haul caravan vehicles parked off to the side next to the, the Duckies Road Lodge. And there is a work crew of some kind working on the ruins of the McCobolds that were there. They seem to be rehabbing it into a different restaurant, but there's no signage up or anything on it yet. Mori mm. is stoked and jumps out of the Winamajo and is like, it's their first Duckies, first Burger King. Heard about it is just so excited. No oh good. You got to get the the, uh, the duckies nuggets. Always classic. Right. You guys go into the general store. You know, you walk in, Maury, and it, because they don't get a ton of visitors, the guy behind the counter perks up immediately when you walk in, and then stops for a second, 
Did you get the hat of disguise back from Eldrin? Yeah. Okay. Is Maury cloaked or what is what is Maury's appearance right now? Maury was too excited and I think went from nap, fell asleep in the car, <laughs> uh, turned into a puddle, yep. reformed and just, just ran out. <laughs> okay. Is anybody following Maury? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll follow too because I would like a burger. So you guys all trundle out. You were parked close enough that you could one or two of you could have stayed and then went and made your- Very first thing I'm doing is checking the bathrooms out. Cleanest bathrooms in all of Normir. You know that. <laughs> Cleanest bathrooms in all of Normir. Just making sure just making sure there's nobody in there to just suddenly come bursting out. No, yeah. Nobody, nobody's going to come bursting out. And you know why they're the cleanest bathrooms in all of Normir, so you mm. shudder a little bit as you look in there. <laughs> yeah, that's... Mm, damn it. Yep, we do have that information now. These guys don't seem as animated or have faces, but... You you know you know what's going on somewhere in this in this situation. <laughs> there are rows and rows of snacks and pickled meats and vegetables and caramelized confection, like everything that you could possibly imagine. An incredible array of jerky along one wall and smoked meats of just a variety that you don't really seem to see anywhere else. Oh, welcome everybody. I'm thank you for coming to thank you for coming to Duckies. I hope you have a duckerific day. Is there anything I can particularly help you with? Do you guys need to stock up on anything? If if you're headed out on a big adventure, can I recommend our energy healing potions? They they're healing potions, they got a little little extra something in them. What's the what's the extra something? What's the something? <laughs> a dragon fruit flavor? <laughs> Um, corn, corn, it's corn syrup. I'm sorry. It's corn syrup and food coloring. Um, <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. okay. They taste duckerific. Uh, how much are, are, are the, are the, the ma- major heal potions? Or? How, how much do you got? What? That doesn't seem like that's, a, that's how things, things get sold. Oh, uh, oh I'm sorry. This is, is this your first time in a ducky, sir? Let, yeah. No. Oh, well, how 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 important are those heels portions to you? Uh, I, I, I th- they used to be very important, right? But now I I, I have someone who d- might heal me, so I made it just only slightly important. Might. <laughs> Greater healing potion, one hundred gold. One hundred gold. One hundred gold. What the hell? A piece. That sounds like highway robbery. I but you know what? I'll sell you four for five hundred. <laughs> how much gold do I have? <laughs> but, Wait. Is that a good deal? Wait, just, wait. Did you just say there are a hundred gold a piece, but you'll sell me four for five hundred? That's right. I'll 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 throw in a, a drink carrier <laughs> for just another hundred gold. <laughs> it's got little duck hands and feet on it. It's collectible. Obviously, a collectible. Limited edition. How much gold do I have? I've got two hundred. I don't know. You got hit in the face with like five hundred coins. So yeah, I've got like two hundred sixty-seven. 267 we don't we don't do a whole lot of money on this podcast so let's just let's just assume you've got uh, enough to buy two potions sure i'll take two potions there you go sir anybody else want anything i'll take two potions shit i don't need any potions but um we do need to stock up on food and um look glance over at baba and uh perhaps some uh some some ales or some wines scoots away from baba yeah, we need to fill the cabinet everybody give me perception checks real quick it's a 22 15 16. 16. Uh, that's a six. <laughs> Faye, you are so focused in on the, the different snacks right now. You don't hear the whir and click of every security crystal in this place pivoting to point and follow the five of you in the building. Mm. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you, we've got a very special deal in our jerky. I can sell you a whole bushel for just two gold. This is why we don't take the main road. 
Um, two gold for an entire bushel of jerky? That's right. Shh, uh, oof. Hmm. Uh, the, the numbers, like the food, two gold, not a bad deal. Remembering what that jerky is all of a sudden. Might be. What that jerky might be, sir. <laughs> Nobody's proven anything. <laughs> Remember what that jerky might be. Um, priceless? We're gonna, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna pass on the jerky. Uh, thank you. Thank you, my good sir, but. Okay, well, then uh, there are definitely some duckies nuggets <laughs> and um, some duckies puffs and some duckies duck feet and um, duck bills. The duckies roast duck. I'm running out of ducky shit, guys. Come on. Uh, 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 are we? Maury's going to cast a tech thoughts, just like she likes to do. She goes into a new place. You kind of get the vibe of this guy. Is there a save on that? Or no, surface thoughts you get right away. I'm just getting surface thoughts, yeah. I bet you I can get this mage to buy that jerky. <laughs> <laughs> look at, I mean, clearly look at what he's wearing. It's. I mean, if there's a guy that's shopping the bargain bin, it's this guy. I'm going to sweeten the pot. What's everybody else thinking? Surface thoughts, everybody. Ooh. <laughs> So, Maury, you quest out towards them with your detect thought spells, and there is this weird resonance that immediately vibrates through each one of you. Oh, feedback. Oh, no. (laughs) And a little bit of a psychic feedback as your psychic abilities brush up against the natural psychic link that fate's able to turn on. And everybody, everybody roll d20s for me, and we'll say the highest person gets to go. Nine. I rolled a six. Three. That's a 16. Six. All right. Uh, while this banal conversation about snacks has been going on, Eldrin has drifted off into a daydream. Jeez. Eldrin, everybody sees that daydream now in their heads as they're zeroed in on it with you. So I dream of the day that I buried my my second father. <laughs> Fuck. This went dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I'm placing the quoth bow on his lifeless corpse as he's being lowered into the ground and, and folding his hands over it. And then I turn around to grab a shovel full of dirt and I say my goodbyes. And when I turn back around to the grave, he is no longer there. And I'm very confused. So I turn around and look around and everyone else at the funeral is gone. Uh, and then my father's behind me and he pushes me into the grave and I see him smiling menacingly as he shovels dirt over my face and everything fades to black. That's not the only face you see leaning over. You see your four compatriots <laughs> leaning over at the same time, staring down at you. What the fuck? <laughs> as that dirt gets shoveled in and then you pop out of that, that weird fucking day nightmare. <laughs> And you're all standing in the duckies. Not sure of how much time has passed, but you do hear the clerk go, okay, well, since you didn't say no by the third time I've asked, I'm going to go and ring that up. Cha-ching. And you uh, all have, mysteriously have had duckies gift bags full of snacks and road provisions tucked into your hands. Yeah. And uh, are all your coin purses feel <laughs> a little bit lighter maybe than they should, but... That's what happens when you space out in a duckies with an aggressive employee. So <laughs> now have a duckerific day, folks. What the? What, wait, we, have we been hit? You got got. I, sir, I said, I said, have a duckerific day. <laughs> what the hell was that? Eldrin? Maury has taken a, a, like, a bubble friend form to be able to wear um, a duckies t-shirt and hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's no problem. I, I already had charged you for those, so I'm glad you're taking one. So you guys head out. You guys head north, rotate through driving shifts throughout the night, don't encounter any paladins, and continue to zero in on the borders of Newark. And Fate, you realize the way that this is steering you, just the arc of the trip, is going to take you straight through Dalakoff. 
and you feel a tug at the at the compass that as you guys pass through the you know fate d- describe the town that you guys have started to pull through Dalikov is um real small small i guess it would be considered rural but it's not actually all that rural it's um decently developed but still very small town just outside of a heavily developed city in Newark uh no sorry Newark so just outside of Newark um it's close enough so that um you know fate you know he, he if anybody asks him where he's from he'll say Newark but like you know if he's actually talking to anybody from Newark and they're like yeah hey, man where are you from like, oh yeah I stay in the south side of Newark mm. but, but where though uh, uh Dalikov you're not from Newark like you know, that's that, that type of situation like that's that's where he's really from <laughs> so you know real small town like you know everybody more or less knows everybody or like annoyingly so so you know it's He's he's always dreamed of bigger, better because you know his proximity to Newark, but never really had that type of opportunity. So um, as he sees the course being plotted back that way, he it clicks. He's like, ah, oh, I'm we're I'm going home. It's been a while. Um, and so uh, there's uh, there's mixed emotions because it's like, yay, I get to go home. See, so you know, try and check on his mother, but also the dread of not actually being certain of what's going on with his mother. The the knowledge of his responsibilities that he is uh, lost track of due to the chaos that has happened in his life, and then just some unfond memories of his, you know, his his uh, upbringing in in Dalikov. So um, it's kind of a whole mixed bag, but mostly uh, mostly leaning towards making him a little bit more anxious. So Newark is both the name of the country and the name of the major city where Yalhavar, the major Elvish magical college, is. There are three really powerful mage universities in Newark, the country. But Yalhavar is is the oldest that was founded by a cadre of elven mages back in the early days of recorded history, mainly because elves live longer and they're better at keeping records. And so they like to act like they had their shit together first, but they're the, just the ones that have kept better notes than everybody else because they have just been around forever. Right. So Newark City is so built up around Yalhavar, primarily everything within that particular metropolitan area itself is built around servicing Yalhavar. It, it falls to the suburbs to provide the fuel for that fire and the flames of learning within both the boundaries of Newark and the yard of Yalhavar. So a lot of these smaller suburbs will be dedicated to providing, you know, farm-to-table goods or, or timber or refining ore that comes in from the city and, and doing simple forging to send in glass blowing. There is both a feeling of kind of small town rural purpose as well as a little bit of a like a broader ring of farmers market that encircle this large city that in itself then encircles one of the most powerful and oldest institutions of magical experimentation and learning and scholarly development and elitist elven snobbery. Dalikov is definitely, I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Fate, a little bit more on the agricultural side. There's a lot of focus on growing produce, on raising. I, I don't think cattle, probably smaller livestock, yeah. rabbits, pigs to a lesser extent, definitely some sheep. And then even, you know, a good number of the service industry, like the professional chefs or the personal cooks, really ply their trade hone their craft within Dalikov. There's a, definitely a tradition of 
that culinary art that they then go into the city and cook either in restaurants in Newark or even within the dining halls mm-hmm. in, in Yalhavar, mm-hmm. which is, I think, very much where Fate's foodie tendencies come from, or at least his his roots in, 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 the, in the food industry. Yes. You guys are trundling through, and, and you know, Fate, again, it's one of those things where we saw this compass do this before with Moyle, where it wasn't always the straightest line to where he was going. It almost takes you on the path that you need to go to to get to the stabilizing agent in the right state of mind. So when the Winnemajo turns onto a side street, your street, the street that you, I don't know if you necessarily grew up on, but was definitely where you spent your teenage years up into when fate went to Coralon's Academy, which is a smaller rural academy that is outside of Newark. Did he go and stay on campus or did he stay at home? He stayed on campus. Okay. Stay on campus. So before you left home for the last time, those teenage years and uh, well, for an, for an elf, you know, so your forties <laughs> were spent in this area. And you know, man, they say you can never go home again, fate, but not much has changed, especially since there is a pretty strong elven contingent in, in this area, a mixture of high elves with the occasional smattering of wood elves, the hippie kind, not the militant bunker kind. Those guys don't ever come out of the woods. Um, the more commune-oriented wood elves, where, like, where Eldrin comes from, will come to the farmer's markets, will trade in you know, some fucking dream catchers and shit. <laughs> It's one of those things where there's this eerie sameness that because of the the fact that there are so many, there's such a strong elven contingent that people do very much look the same. The only people that really have changed are maybe, you know, some of the adolescence elves that have blossomed into the edge of adulthood and, and are noticeably older before their genetics kick in and they freeze into that ageless adulthood that lasts them until they fade out of existence at the end of their life. But the city has has worn. There are a few more things that are a little bit rougher around the edges. There hasn't been a ton of new development. It's not run down, but it's it's like the same buildings have been endlessly repaired rather than new buildings put up. And there's a sense of community. There's a sense of care. But that's where you feel it. That's where you feel the, the, the passage of time. Not in the, the faces of your neighbors, but the fact that everything looks like it's had two or three or four extra coats of paint put on it over time to continue to give it that that semblance of respectfulness and then uh you're driving by your house elgin elgin stop stop i i need you to stop okay thank you okay and i'm not even waiting for him to stop i'm just like i'm letting him know i need him to stop and then i'm jumping out and he's gone (laughs) everybody other than fate give me a perception check 24 15 22 uh one todd's polishing his gun whoa Obsessed with it now. 22. In fact, since that was a one, Todd, give me a quick slide of hand check. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because as, as you were polishing the 4-4, and Eldrin probably is surprised by fate's demand, I request to stop. So he stops short a little bit as you're cleaning the old gun there. And since you don't see it coming, oh, geez. let's see if you drop it. 21. Ooh. You bobble a little bit, but they're unable to grab it. Nobody notices, and you're able to slip it back into the pocket. God damn it. Can I use my inspiration to make him roll that again? Is that... <laughs> You can't use inspiration against other people in this particular instance. Damn it. As much as I would love for that to be the case. So fate, what, you know, what does, 
What does Casa Fate look like? You just went from being at Baba's neighborhood. You never really went to his lands on the, the side of the mountain. I think this is the closest to anybody's origin point that, well, no, you guys went to Moyle's home. Yeah. And man, this is such a wild contrast to the raucous debauchery and Euro swamp trash that were the Dragonborn. <laughs> it is a quiet community. You can feel that these people know each other and support each other. The Winamajo gets more than a few looks. But but not in a negative way, just like, oh, cool, that's, you know, uh, there must be some newfangled mage thing coming through. It is a much more tranquil homecoming than than what you guys had previously experienced. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't imagine, like you said, it's it's a accepting community where most everybody knows everybody, right? So, was, you know, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And so, um, as I get out, I... I'm recognizing faces, but my focus is so much on home and trying to check out the situation. I'm just not really paying attention to that. But, um, it's, it's the community itself is nice. Think like, you know, uh, upper, maybe, you know, just like a middle class suburban type area. And my home in particular is just, it's, it's that almost to a T. Like it's, it's not some towering mansion like Moyle's, you know, uh, you know, millionaire father. Um, but it's also not some hovel out in the middle of the swamps. It's, it's a solid place where, you know, it, it feels like a, like what you would consider a home. Um, like it just feels accepting and warm, um, br- uh, wood, um, like a log cabin almost, but, uh, just, you know, more up kept in that more fine, more there's, you know, there's, uh, there's, you know, filigree carved on the out on the exterior of the windows and doors. Um, but so I'm just, I'm running as fast as my, you know, not, not strong legs will take me to the door and trying to immediately get inside and check. And I'm, you, you hear him before he gets to the door, like mother, mother, I'm home. Mother, where are you? And he's just, are we supposed to follow him? <laughs> as he shoulders past you guys, what those perception checks were for everybody, but Todd, mm-hmm. who again is more obsessed with his, his gun. <laughs> he's proud to be an Ormerian. Mm. <laughs> The shard that fate keeps around his neck that normally contains this dark, wispy, glowing smoke that that seems to swirl around a little bit that you will occasionally see him look up and almost act as if he's listening to seems to grow darker. The mist that seems to rotate and twist inside of it darkens down while the, the soft purple radiance of it doesn't get brighter, but it intensifies almost moving into a neon radiance. And the the smoke, which normally is contained with inside of it, almost as if this ethereal darkness begins to pipe out of it just, just slightly at the edges. And Fate doesn't pick up on that as all as he rushes forward. Fate, you, you, you hop down the steps of the Winamajo and rush up boots, scrabbling across the gravel walkway, the crunch that you be so very carefully make sure that as you crossed over the threshold, would step over into the grass on late evenings where you'd snuck out to try and make sure that you didn't get heard coming back up the way as you moved in. Right. Crunching under your boots before clattering onto the wooden boards of your, your front porch. Main door open, but screen door still still shut. We are in the spring at this point, and the weather in Dalakoff is, is about perfect. There's that crisp bite at where winter has just begun to retreat, and you'll occasionally get a freeze at night. But there is this freshness that represents spring as gardens begin to blossom and crops begin to take shape, and, and spring lambs are born and something is off just as, as soon as you step onto the porch. And it doesn't take you really that long, actually, to realize this is the first time that you've ever stepped onto your front porch. 
where you weren't immediately met by the depth of a richness of a waft of something cooking in the kitchen, where there wasn't something baking or boiling or roasting or seasoning that no matter what happened, no matter what was going on between you and your mom or your stepdad, when you would walk up, that was that moment when you felt home. That's when you really truly knew no matter what conflict you were going to feel when you got through the door, there was always that one breath that you would would suck in through your nose that would be your mom wrapping her arms around you in the kitchen when you were when you were a younger child and comforting you after you'd gotten into a scrap with one of the other elven kids or would be her sitting you down and lecturing you for not appreciating what you had and not thinking about the consequences of your actions or it just it, like all of those memories come rushing back as you feel this absence of that scent and as you you go to grab and pull up the the screen door a figure steps into into the threshold before you can step through, and it's it's Alred. Okay, Alred, what, what, it's it's me. Fate. Where, where, where's my mother? Where, where is she? And I'm like trying to push my way. Like I'm not even waiting for him to answer. I'm just trying like trying to get in and like assume that she's there. Alred is a very solid individual, not hulking, but he's a solid guy. Uh, he's a farmer. He does a lot of work in the field. He is responsible producing most of the produce that your mom would work into her dishes. Um, he helps out, and you know, he's very well involved in some of the the neighbors' farms as well. Is known to be a little bit of an expert when it comes to that thing. He's got a little bit of a belly on him. He's got that stoutness of somebody who, even for an elf, has advanced past the middle of their lifespan, but still does a phenomenal amount of physical labor on a day to day basis. A kind of weathering that you see among rural folk, not like what you would see on the coast, not that coastal constant suntan and and salt spray aging, but just where the the earth has ground into him and made him more solid. Mm-hmm. He's not, you've never really been able to, to, to push him around. Look at this guy coming back like he never left home. Cool. Like, I don't know your fate. Like, I don't know my boy. Uh, uh, right. I, do, I, I do not have, have uh, I'm sorry. Where's my mother? Is she, where is she? You, you're telling me you don't know, kid? Like, you, you don't know what, what's going on here? Because I'm pretty sure you got something to do with it with that, that piece of paper that you signed. Oh. Have you not, have you not been talking to anybody? Alfred, I've, I've had a lot of things go on for me for the, in what seems like a very short amount of time, and, but I know it's been a while. I just need you to just answer my question. Where oh. is my mother? Mr. Fancy's so busy. Yeah, we know how that is, Mr. Fancy Pants. Listen to you. All right, come on. Let's come in. Let's come. I'll, I'll show you your mom. Um, but uh, look, uh, look, fate. Uh, I got. I got to tell you, buddy. Fader, tater. What? Uh, okay, we're going with that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is not the time, Aldred. I actually kind of like that. You know, I'm a. I've always been a big fan of like tubas in and of themselves. But uh, yeah, no. Okay, come on in. And he leads you through the house. It's a wooden two story affair. The downstairs is. 50% kitchen, 50% living space. One huge room that half of the downstairs is taken up by the kitchen and the other half is a kind of a mix of a family room slash dining area where the family members and members of the community would gather and, and share a meal and, and share a drink and laugh and have a good time. He walks you right through that past the staircase with that creaky fifth step that you would, again, would be one of the things that you would really have to sneak past when you were sneaking back in the house as a kid out to the back porch and your your mom is is just sitting there in a chair, just rocking back and forth slowly in a rocking chair. Okay. Um, 
So I, I rush up to her. I, I give her a hug and mother, I'm home. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm home. How, how are you? She doesn't respond in any way possible. She, she continues to stare forward with a, with a blank gaze, rocking back and forth, more almost out of consistency of the momentum of her weight shifting back and forth than in any kind of actual intent or any effort. You hear Allred from behind you go, yeah, kid, there's, um, lights are on, but there's nobody home. Your buddy, Sally, uh, came about a year after you disappeared and uh, collected the collateral. <sighs> like, it, as he's hearing, he just falls to his knees. And, like, I don't, you, there, you, you know, you, like, there's the immediate, like, you, you get the immediate sense that there's, like, so many different levels of frustration. Like, he's hurt because he's seeing his mother in this state. Um, he's like, he's hearing the words of Alred telling him what happened, but fate knows what's happened. Like he's like the gravity of the mistakes that he's made are starting to like come together on him and seeing, seeing this is driving him to a place that he's never really been before. Like if he, if he's had an example, it would be Baba's rage over the last few months is almost where he's going, but he doesn't know where to channel it. So he's just sitting there shaking and trying to think of how to fix this problem. All right, I'm, I, I've, I've got to go find. I've, when was the last time you saw Sal, Salome? Well, yeah, that's it. Gets weird because so a year ago, well, a year after you disappear, he shows up and collects your mom's soul, and then about a year after that, nobody ever hears from him again. Like he's he's Gonzo, Gonzo. All of his contracts are collected, and nobody knows where the man's went. He just goes to campus one day. And is never seen again. You know, I don't, I don't know. Fader Tater, his, his business is, uh, business is, is kind of over. Over it. I, I, I know this is, that doesn't do with it, but just please don't call me that. Well, Fate? Okay, Tater. You got, you got it, pal. Uh, so, um, who the fuck are these weirdos? Hi. Mari goes up and takes his hand. Hello, Mr. Tater. Nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, but this one's polite. How very nice to meet you. Are we full, Mori, or what are we? Oh, yeah. I'm just, when Tori forgets, Maury forgets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, he just completely takes it in stride. Maury has met a few people now that are legitimately generous enough of spirit that they don't question the weird shit that they come across in, in this world. And, you know, Allred is Fate's stepdad. He stepped into a, a situation raising a young elf that had aspirations of magical grandeur. And uh, I am sure fate summoned more than a few weird things around the house as he was trying to experimenting with magic in the early days. He goes to shake your hand, but then slightly thinks better of it and goes, um, uh, you, uh, are you a fist bump guy? <laughs> yeah, there we go. And he, he gives you, he, he fist bump you. It's still a little bit of a squishy. He goes, all right, that's what I thought. There we go. Mario kind of like, I think maybe hanging around more than Ognum starts to, I think just naturally that whole like empathetic, let me mirror somebody just isn't a humanoid form just with the limbs and stuff, blank face, but just. Just more formed rather than kind of like sludge, just so everybody knows. All right. Uh, Todd Tiefling here, champion of the Derby. You guys, you might have heard of me by now, but Todd the Tiefling here. Nice meeting you. The uh, the what now? I don't I don't remember the acronym. The Derby. Uh, oh, this guy. Oh, okay, you got you got it, Todd. Uh, <laughs> nice nice to meet you, champ. Mr. The Tiefling, if you want to 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you, I, I see. I see. You got friends who think they're just as fancy as you are, huh? Way to go! Way to go, Fader! Way to go, Tater! I want to say friends. I mean, he's he's friend adjacent. Adjacent, friend adjacent. Yes, he's mostly friend. Yeah. It, Anyways, but Mo, he's kind of mostly adjacent. Maybe for you, I'd have no problem with fate. Like fifty-two percent adjacent, forty-eight percent friend. Todd, I've run the numbers. This is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm Eldrin. Uh, not, not, not really much else to say there. Uh, stepfathers, beware around Ed- Eldrin. They may die. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> not, not, not intentionally. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, that's a little t- terrifying. I'll be honest, how casually that was said. Uh, okay, you you got it, sir. Uh, and I am Baba Tunde. And Baba's just kind of reflective. Like, much as he like is not feeling fate right about now, he understands kind of like that family duty and kind of being in bad situations around family. So he may stop messing with him for a bit. Todd. Taj is walking around the house like when you walk around your friend's house the first time trying to find oh, old embarrassing pictures of them. Digging in the drawers, huh? <laughs> you're just, just looking looking around. That's, All the hallways. Yeah, just So um I'm I'm gonna turn back around and face my mother, take a knee, hold her hand, and just whisper to her, I'm, mother, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to make this right. You I, I hope you can hear me. You hear a voice whisper back from the gym hanging at your neck, Fate. Well, I guess that's just my fate. And that's where we'll end the episode. My name's Skip. I'm calling you on behalf of the HECO Association of Mercantile Paladins. All the mercantile paladins want to remind you to buckle up for safety because it does save lives. Now, in two to three days, supporters will be receiving their Duck Ease Mercantile Paladin Supporter Decal. Go ahead and place that on the rear window of your vehicle to show your support of the paladins and the programs that they sponsor. Some of those programs include the Paladin Plush Ducky Program for children involved in car accidents, the Join the Move, an anti-drug program specifically for Dragonborn, because those guys need help, and the Death Benefit Fund to pay for the lawyers that the undying Paladins need to justify their level of violence when adjudicating a crime. The gold sponsor 
is 75 gold. The silver sponsor is 50 gold. And the bronze sponsor is 35 gold. Which one is best for you? I I know I the names are confusing. You're right, sir. Look, I understand most people are doing a little bit less this year. I'll just put you down for a sponsor of 25 Electrum. And in two to three days, you'll be receiving your supporter packet by courier. Are you still over at one, two, three, Appian Way? Right. Fa- fantastic. Like I said, in two to three days, you'll be receiving your supporter decal. It'll have a thank you letter and a return envelope. Go ahead and make your check or money order directly to the Mercantile Paladins of Hiko and return that in the mail. Now, I want to thank you for your support and want to ask you, sir, can the Paladins count on you to send back your donation as soon as you receive your pledge kit in the mail? Thank you for your support.